following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org. Welcome to Life Matters. I'm your host, Brendan O'Connell. Since time and memoriam in cultures around the world, masculinity has mattered. Yet in the USA over the past several decades, masculinity of boys, teenagers, young adults, and even older adults has waned or has disappeared. Why is this so? What are the forces that have led to this disturbing trend? In many households in America, the father is absent. Why is masculinity nowadays considered toxic? And how, how can the father-son relationship counter this sexually toxic culture? Is there an important connection between masculinity and fatherhood? How should a father raise his son to be a good husband and father himself? Today's guest believes he and his fellow collaborators have the answers. We have with us today Dr. Patrick Fagan. He's a senior fellow and director of the Marriage and Religious Institute, which examines relationships among family, marriage, religion, and community, and America's social problems. His new project to bring guidance and wisdom to the father-son is called FORGE. It champions the flourishing of the nat natural family. Welcome, Dr. Pat Fagan. Good to be with you, Brendan. Thank you for having me. Dr. Fagan, what, what do you see as the problem uh, in our society regarding masculinity? Yeah, well, that's huge. Um, the core of it? Yes. All good cultures, all good cultures foster a positive masculinity. They need it in order to survive. Uh, one generation to produce another good generation needs great cooperation between the father and mother. Uh, the more the cooperation, the more the unity, the better the next generation grows up to be. That's common sense, everybody knows it. Most people, when they see it, immediately recognize it. And when it's absent, when you don't have that cooperation, uh, the kids suffer and the kids are not as good as they could have been. The uh, Over the last couple of hundred years, actually, the, the modern, modernist project on mankind has gone astray. And it's very obvious at this stage now that we've been on the wrong path. We've gone down the path of fairway. The single biggest problem confronting the world over the next century is depopulation. We're already well into it. And in the Western world, we're not replacing ourselves and have not been for, oh, the last four decades at least. So we're deep into that problem. Uh, the East and more populous countries are already heading there. Uh, many of them have gone below replacement level. So depopulation is one big thing. The other, we can see it here in the United States. The level of fatherless families 
is huge. Uh, the inability or the less ability, is that inability, but the lesser ability of young males and females to meet and marry well has become an epidemic problem. And you talk to any late, mid to late 20-year-old, early 30, mid 30-year-old, this is a huge problem for them. How do they meet, match, marry, and stay together? Huge problem. Uh, right across the West, but it's uh, pretty acute here in the United States as well. So they're just two of the indications of something has gone wrong between the sexes. And it's not all on the masculine side. Much has gone wrong on the feminine side as well. And that's why neither side has the full solution. We're not made to be apart. We're made to be together. And that it ability to come together and to be together has gradually been lost. We can dig into that more, but that's the big picture. One of the biggest uh, modern, what would I call it, accelerators of that problem has been uh, contraception, the pill, which essentially is the ability to enjoy a sexual intercourse without having to think at all or count on or put any attention on the child, which is, of course, the fundamental primary purpose of intercourse, not only among human beings, among animals. It's there all through creation. The mm -hmm. fundamental reason for the sexual difference is the continuance of the human race, whatever animal kingdom you look at. It's it, it's built deep into nature, and we have violated that, and we're paying the price. Uh -huh. And what uh, do you see pornography as being something that is a barrier also to reproduce? Oh, my goodness. Huge, huge, huge. Absolutely. And growing all the time. Well, uh, now, Forge, what, what is the solution, uh, and what is your philosophy uh, at, in, with this uh, new group called Forge? Well, a new group started by uh, John Bishop, uh, Dr. John Bishop and myself. Um, John is the whole executive president. He's the guy who gets things done. I'm more the idea guy. And if it depended on me, it would be six or seven years before we <laughs> would get to what he has helped us produce in, in less than a year. <clears throat> what we're zeroing in on there is the key problem of I think the single biggest strategic problem in humanity today is fathers raising sons on the masculine side who will be great husbands and great fathers because, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I beg your pardon. Um, the mother, once she takes care of her children in the womb, and then when they're born, the biology of the mother attaches her much more to the children. The biology of the father doesn't attach him in anything near that same way. So a father who's deeply attached to his wife and to his children is the one who makes the huge difference in how that family is going to go. A good father makes the family really strong. An absent or a bad father has a massively deleterious effect on the strength of that family and the strength of the kids. So the father is like a catalyst for great good or great evil. 
Therefore, he is the single most strategic aspect of the formation of the family. It's not that he's the most more important. He's the most strategic in his absence or presence because he's more likely, if not raised well and cultivated well, he's more likely to drift away. The woman is much less likely to drift away from her kids. There are women who do, but there are many more men where that happens. So we're the weak link who can become the strongest link. Hence the focus on the father and son. So the father who raises sons so that they are ready and looking forward to and wanting to find a good woman, the two of them mate and marry, commit themselves for the rest of their life to raising their own kids. So a man who's dedicating himself to his wife, to his woman, and to his children is a massive accomplishment in any culture. Difficult to pull off, but extraordinarily important. And the more successful we are at raising boys like that, the more successful such a society will be, such a culture will be. That's the way human nature is made. Well, uh, what, what are the guiding pillars of uh, this FORGE organization, or this FORGE effort? Uh, the guiding principles? Yes. Um, well, you will have the father totally dedicated to his wife. That's the fundamental human relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, families are made up of relationships, extended families even more, communities, societies. But the foundational relationship out of which all the other, the strength of all the others grow is the relationship between father and mother. The closer they are, the more united they are, and that's a big accomplishment. It doesn't come without a lot of suffering and a lot of work, no matter how great they are when they start. Uh, there's Anybody who's been married uh, any length of time will tell you that. The other thing that that is dependent on or massively made possible by is their relationship to God. The more frequently people worship God, the more likely they are to have stronger relationships with others and husbands with wives and wives with husbands. And the U.S. federal data is just replete with that. Mm. Uh, There's nothing stronger in there. The, yeah, if I could sum that up, just park it at the side, but on every single thing measured in the U.S. federal data system as a group, parents, adults, or children who are in an intact married family always intact married family, biological family united, who worship God weekly, do best on every single thing measured. Mm -hmm. And the group that does weakest on every single thing measured is the non-intact family that doesn't worship God at all. Now, around that, of course, there's a belt curve. It's not that everybody who worships and is married is doing best. No, no, but as that, that group is the strongest group. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, in America a, a large percentage of children that are being raised without a man, a father in the house at all. Do you know what that yes. those statistics are by any? Uh... Yeah, by age seventeen, um, we did and are about to revive again an annual index of what we call belonging or rejection. The kids who've grown up in a family that has totally belonged to each other, it always intact married family. If you measure them at age 17, 
And imagine them because they're almost at the end of growing up in the family. They're about to begin to depart uh, to form their own lives. And we can use the American Community Survey, which is a mini census. It's done by the, the Department of the Office of the Brewer of the Census. Mm -hmm. And it's a 1% sample. So the sample size is over 3 million. Huge. From that, we've derived that about 46% of our kids reach age 17 in an always intact family, which means 54% have seen their parents split. Mm -hmm. Wow. And by different ethnic groups, uh, the poor black family is the weakest by far. The Asian family is the strongest. Then you have the white, then the Hispanic, then the American Indian, and then the, the American black family. And for the American black family, only 17% reach age 17 in an intact married family, which means 83% don't. And that explains a lot of the weaknesses and difficulties, not all, but a huge amount of the weaknesses and the difficulties that uh, black children uh, experience with life. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, uh, from a masculinity standpoint, what uh, how how does one, uh, particularly when boys get into their teens years, how does how should a, a father deal with the son at that point? Well, he better have started dealing with him from um, the earliest years. We only starts dealing with him at the teen years. He's already lost him. Mm. He has he has not served his son well. The Father has his biggest influence the earlier he bonds with his son, the earlier he gives himself. Some of the greatest research done happened in 2017. The, I think one of the biggest contributions of the social sciences to humanity happened in 2017 uh, in Taiwan. Maternity hospital there conducted the experiment, the first in this line, um, looking at the impact the father holding his child skin to skin has on their relationship. And they did a controlled experiment. Without going into the details, what came from the father who holds his, his child for 15 minutes a day for three days, that was the experiment. Then they measured them three, six months, and 12 months later. Those fathers had much, much closer relationship. The kids were much more responsive and attached and delighted in dad's presence than the fathers who did not. Mm -hmm. The critical thing, and this is one of the, this is module one of the course we have at Forge on fatherhood. The first big work of the father is to attach himself deeply to his child, son or daughters. It's the very same, both of them need it. And the easiest way when they're very young is just holding them. Mothers do the same, but mothers do that naturally to breastfeed and all the rest that being a mother is. Um, men don't do that. And I don't know of any culture on earth, there may be, there probably are some, but I have not come across them, where the father holds his newborn regularly, daily, skin to skin, attaching himself to it. So this insight that has come from the social sciences, it's a direct contribution. I think is huge in its impact because when the father is close to his kid and they delight in each other, that's the second part actually, as the kid begins to be able to do things and gets into age four, five, six, seven, 
the good father's keeping his eye out for what his child delights in doing and is good at. And then the father lets the kid know by the way he looks at him, essentially, and the way he reacts, that he takes delight in his son or daughter delighting in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That way, the father conveys a confidence to the kid that nobody else can. It's one of the greatest gifts a father can give to a child. So if you have a father who's attached and deeply attached, and also where the kid knows his father's delight in him, then when you come to puberty and dealing with sexuality, there's a whole basis on which the dad can talk to his son and the son, and it'll all be easy. If that foundation is not there, let the dad attempt it, and it's, it's too much. It's too loaded. It's too intense for both of them. Uh, there'll be an awkwardness there, and he won't be able to guide and tutor and lead his son into good masculinity, into shaping himself as a sexual being the way the father who's close to his son can do. So that closeness that comes in the early years is critical for the formation in the later years. Well, now um, you have in uh, module three, you discuss marriage. What, what is that? Uh, what do you want to convey there in that module? Well, the whole thing, actually, the whole purpose of the course is that for the vast majority of the children, in the Catholic world, someone will be called to a vocation of celibacy, of not marriage, but giving themselves to others through service, either in prayer, the contemplatives, or in service and prayer. But the vast majority of kids are called to the vocation of marriage. It's the biggest vocation in terms of numbers. Mm-hmm. So. The whole purpose of all this is that a boy or a girl end up marrying a great spouse, and they have to have the capacity to select a great spouse. That's that's part of it. So the whole thing is, actually, parents are successful parents. If, here's the, for me, the height of success. If you have two virgins, the man and the woman at the altar, marrying each other, deeply in love, well formed, ready to work hard, ready to devote to each other, the parents have succeeded magnificently. They pass, the passing of the baton is actually happening at that moment. The new generation is taking over and beginning the next generation. And if you have two sets of parents, the girls, the woman's parents and the man's parents, they're at the altar or just near the altar witnessing this, they have done a great job. They can say, we have succeeded. Now it's the responsibility of the next generation, their freedom, how they're going to do it. So the whole purpose of of all this formation by the father is essentially to produce a great husband and a great father. The biggest tutor of that is the marriage of the parents. Mm. That's what gets through. More than anything else, if the behavior of the parents doesn't match the words they give their kids, the kids will be more influenced by the behavior than the words. Mm, I see. And uh, when uh, you had a module five, and this was uh, the, the sexual conversations with older sons, what is the father supposed to convey to the son who's uh, maybe an older teenager? Or... 
That sort of thing. Well, he better start actually once the sun hits puberty, when the hormones begin to flow, and the sun is beginning after he has had wet dreams for the first time. That's the beginning of potency, sexual potency. Mm-hmm. So the sun is becoming now. He's getting massive growth in his testosterone. Actually, the the male is gets five times what he had before. The female only doubles. So for the fe- for the male, he's contending with a huge difference inside him. Mm-hmm. And if the father is already close to him, then they can. They can converse about this. The father and he, they've they've talked about many things before. They will have talked about sexual things because the kid, he's not interested in girls before puberty. But he he does have questions about where babies come from, what all this is about. And the good parent, the good father, the good mother will have given him all the information he he needs and let him know, look, if you've got more questions, make sure you come to us. We'd be delighted to fill you in. He needs information before puberty. After puberty... He needs tutoring, guidance, mentoring. He's already now a potent young man. Actually, he jumps into, into bed or, or into the backseat of a car with a young female, and you may have two parents within an hour of that happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, they, so from here on, actually, the father begins to talk totally differently. And I don't think too many fathers do this. Teaching his son how to handle his sexuality. And what the whole purpose is, look, son, the whole purpose is that you find a great girl and both of you are going to have a great time in bed. And that's all about, that's the reward God gives you for this huge task you're taking on, which is bringing children into the world. So you and this, and I want you to find the best, most gorgeous, most beautiful woman that you can and enjoy that. But till then, You've got to conduct yourself a particular way in preparation for that. There's, it's easy to go off track here. And so many, most of our kids have been led the wrong way on this between porn, contraception, sex before marriage, masturbation, etc. All these things weaken a man's capacity to be a great husband and a great father. And the father who can talk to his son about how he handles his own sexual struggles, sons are going to be surprised. Oh, dad does. And that will be yeah, I probably will till the day I die. So, you know, I go to confession if need be, etc., uh, etc. Et um, the father having the capacity to talk to his son that way will have a massive impact it, on the son and gives him a much greater chance mm-hmm. of ending up a good husband. Mm-hmm. Now, our show, we, we look at the issue of... Um... Abortion and what uh, is there an overlooked component of masculinity and abortion? No, without a doubt. I think, look, I'm totally pro life, totally behind the whole pro life movement, but it is too narrow in its focus. Uh, Now, policy wise, it's good to be narrow in your policy focus so that you achieve it, but in the whole abortion discourse, Look, here's the key component that I think is missing. Every single child ever conceived has the right to the marriage of his parents. Mm -hmm. If the child could speak, the child in the mother's womb, only a couple of cells big, if he or she could speak, 
He could rightfully say, pointing to Mammon to Dad, Mom, Dad, you owe me your marriage. Without it, I will not become the human being I meant to become. Mm -hmm. And he won't, or she won't. Because the gift of marriage is not just for the, for the parents, it's very much there for the children. And the pro-life movement has totally left that out. I think by the time our teenagers, definitely every single Catholic teenager in the country, every Christian, every Jew, every Muslim, as a teenager, once they hit puberty and have the capacity to bring children into existence, ought to know that any child, that they immediately, should they become children, they have an immediate obligation. Therefore, they won't get into sexual intercourse. But they have an immediate obligation to marry the mother and raise the kid. Mm -hmm. So the kid, in, in our society, the kid is often very much shortchanged of uh, the right to have two parents uh, and uh, two married parents. Is a... Well, uh, just briefly now, uh, we've got a, a minute or two left. We've got about a minute left. Uh, tell us about the modules and, and how can folks uh, access them? Or uh, Oh, what... for the course, yes. there's six modules and we've covered a lot of the content. Um, they can get it at myforge.org. And actually, they can see a trailer so they can really kick the tires and get a sense of whether they like it. And it's designed for men and particularly for men who want to form a group, either local men, or they can do it by Zoom with friends. And the idea is that fathers meet other fathers close by, uh, but they'll get it on myforge.org. Myforge, M-Y-F-O-R-G dot O-R-G. And it's the only course there at this stage. They can uh, kick the tires, see the trailer. It's a, there's video content and then written content. And it's designed optimally for groups of fathers getting together. Well, Dr. Fagan, thank you so much. Our time has elapsed, unfortunately. The uh, website again, myforge.org, it might be very helpful for you and your family. And I hope, folks, you found today's show to be unique, informative, content-rich, truthful, and thought-provoking. Thanks for watching and listening. I'm Brendan O'Connell, your friend for life. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org.